0: Welcome to The Real Freedom Show, where we inspire you to pursue your passion to gain time and financial freedom through opportunities in real estate. I'm your host, Mike Swenson. Let's get some real freedom together. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Real Freedom, where we're talking about building time and financial freedom through different opportunities in real estate. I am your host, Mike Swenson, and today... We are going to be talking with Kevin Link. Some amazing things about Kevin. So we talk about this a lot. People come from other industries into real estate because they see something. There's something that they're not getting in their past job. There's something that they want in real estate to enhance what they're doing. But people are always searching for something. And so I love interviewing people that come from other industries. And so Kevin's background actually was a FINRA attorney. So financial industry regulatory authority attorney, FINRA, if anybody has heard of FINRA before, came from a a law background, got into real estate in 2017, co-founded Four Brothers Buy Houses, and so you are based out of the Washington, D.C. area doing flipping and wholesaling and then also co-founded uh, Thousand Flips, game-changing real estate investment company. And you've got uh, a team of people working behind you, obviously a big part of your growth with that and turning real estate rookies into real estate pros. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. We're so excited to have you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. I'm uh, happy to be on. Why don't you just start with a little bit of background of your previous career in, in law? What excited you about real estate or what were you looking for? And, and we'll go from there.
1: So it's um, you know as, as you mentioned. So I was practicing law. Uh, I practiced for seven years, and I was doing was working for Fenra, which is uh, a regulatory body that looks at broker dealers like Morgan Stanley, Merrill Lynch, and regulates them. It's part. It's uh, supervised by the Securities and Exchange Commission. So I was doing. Litigation for them, and like insider trading and these types of things, um, securities fraud, anything to do with the, the, the market. So entirely unrelated to real estate, really, you no know, overlap whatsoever. That's what I went to law school for, was just to uh, study securities law. That's what I was doing. Um, and I never really had a passion for real estate. I'm not sure that I still have a passion. I have a passion for real estate. People say I I, I don't really know what that means when it comes to real estate, but there are a lot of things I like about working in real estate and being self employed and financial freedom and some of the things that you mentioned at the beginning of the show. But I was practicing law, sort of no intention of leaving the law, Um, pretty happy in my career. But I was working for other people and, um, my partner uh, in the 2000s started kind of flipping houses on the side. and we did one other talk over the years about sort of both leaving our respective jobs and coming together and making it a full-time thing for the benefits of kind of having a greater ability, you know, more, you know, you're not limited to sort of making as much money as somebody else tells you that you can make, um, number one. Uh, And working for yourself and having sort of the freedom and stresses that come along with with being self-employed, but having the not, you know, you don't have to answer to anybody else. So I was practicing law and we were just over the years kind of talked about it on and off. And I got to a point where uh, I felt like I wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. We had a lot of work to do. 'Cause it was just the two of us. I mean, the company is now twenty five people, but back then it was just the two of us. And I was also leaving a pretty safe, secure job that I had gone to school for and, you know, paid to go to school for and spent three years getting a law degree. So it was a kind of a big big move. And but my boss's jokes, I will tell you this, Mike, were not getting any funnier, I noticed. And so I kind of just felt like if I don't do this now, I'm not going to do, it. I'll, I'll just, you know, uh, in 20 years, I'll still be an attorney. It just isn't going to happen. So for me, it wasn't this thing where I had this like, lo- yeah. you know, long lost love for real estate. It was more, this seemed like a path where I could uh, sort of gain more financial freedom and kind of dictate my own growth financially, have my, you know, more freedom and so I kind of took the plunge. I think a lot of my colleagues at the time at uh, Finro were sort of scratching their head. It just sort of came out of nowhere. Um It's like I told them I was maybe to go to cloud or something. And they were just sort of like baffled. But that's that's why I did it. And I'm glad that I did. Although I would say, you know, the first year, 12 to 18 months were tough. I mean, it was just the two of us, We you had know. And, I didn't have a background in real estate. I to kind of figure it off. Uh, so wasn't an easy choice, but you know, in retrospect, I'm, I'm very, very glad that I did it.
0: So talk about that learning curve in real estate. What did you do previous to that going into it or maybe when you got started? In terms of identifying a path, so you guys started in in flipping, correct? So what did you do to educate yourself to, to build that momentum leading into starting with flipping?
1: Yeah, so I didn't really have any background. My partner had done some flips at that point. So he had some knowledge on front and had some you know some experience with marketing and finding these deals. But but you know, we wanted to figure out a way to make it a full-time thing and then scale it. So I, you know, we really focused at the beginning uh sort of ramping up on the marketing and we used a variety of marketing channels then and Direct mail, paper click, uh, search engine optimization, cold calling to find leads. But the real sort of getting scaled up was figuring out our sort of processes where we could get consistent inbound leads. We had a process to talk to these leads, figure out which leads had promise, which didn't. Go out see the properties and get them, you know, get a contract signed. That that was the big sort of bottleneck is learning how to. Generate leads, but more than that, go out and get a signed contract to buy the house. And so, you know, my partner knew enough about construction that when we found properties and we were able to buy them and flip them. But the way that we ended up really growing is by figuring out wholesaling. So we were all for the first year, nine months, maybe we only were doing flips, but there's just a limitation to what kind of volume you could do there. Uh, you know, in terms of how many houses can you really work on at one time and purchase and how much capital do you have. So we wanted to be able to sign, you know, 10, 15, 20 contracts a month and flip some of them and wholesale the rest that do more volume and generate additional income through wholesaling. So that was a big part of the learning group too, is figuring out how to set up a wholesaling apparatus where we would have buyers, who would, you know, would buy our properties and how, you know, where we could have the infrastructure to handle the volume and figure out a way to sign 20 contracts in a month too. So the first year was pretty tough in just in terms of kind of every component of the business we had to figure out. You know, in terms of scaling it, we did—we'd never wholesale a house before, and we had never—he uh, had never done one house in a month. So we were trying to go from one to twenty. There's a lot of pieces to figure out. We certainly made a lot of mistakes too. I'll tell you that for sure.
0: Going back to having studied a lot of people that have done a lot of different strategies in real estate, you're right. In terms of the flipping piece, your bottleneck is really the money and the the crews to be able to do stuff. With wholesaling, you can do as much as you want because it's just connecting sellers and buyers. And the nice thing is, is you're still having the same conversations as you are with people on the flipping side. It's just, is this a property that I want to flip? Or is this a property that I think somebody else might want to do something with? And so you can kind of run as fast as you want down that lane cherry pick the flips that are the best for you and wholesale the others. So how did you go out and find, I know you talked about being able and finding deals. So in terms of then those wholesale contracts, the people that are, you know, purchasing these properties from you or that you're assigning them to, how are you finding those folks?
1: And I mean, I I think you're exactly right. Because you can also, you know, there's also lots of properties that you come across that you even if you had the capital, maybe you don't want to flip it because of it, where it's located or whatever. But somebody else might, and so you can kind of monetize properties that you otherwise would just take a pass on. Uh, but in terms of developing like a buyer's list of all the things that we've had to figure out that wholesaling and flipping and building a company, I think building a, a buyer's list is the one thing that. I, I don't think there's a shortcut to. Uh, I don't think there's like a, a magic bullet. Like there's not a sort of a way to sort of pivot, turn around, and all of a sudden you have all these buyers. Um, you know, there are pr- programs and software out there designed to sort of match people up with buyers, and they're, you know, that's a sort of could be a segue. And as, as you build a buyer's list, but what we ended up doing was just partnering up with somebody who had an established buyers list at that time that we trusted, and then he would uh disposition sell all of our wholesale deals for us he would advertise them have somebody go out handle the showing you know he would do all of that for us and then we would pay him a piece of the deal and during uh time we just sort of slowly built up our kind of buyers list by meeting people who came to the showings by um just meeting more people who are flippers by virtue of wholesaling. But it's it's a it's slow. I mean you've gotta it takes time when you bad people and then those people have to feel comfortable working with you and get to know you. So it wasn't until really like two thousand nineteen, maybe middle of twenty nineteen, it took a, a good Chunk of time, more than a year, for us to sort of get to a point where we could kind of wean off of working with somebody else, and we had enough depth to our buyers list that we could, you know, kind of get out there and sell our own deals. But at that, you know, it was still be it was still another couple of years before we really fully broke away from. Wholesaling with the other individual that I mentioned because some properties would come up and we just didn't have anybody on our buyers list that interested, but he might be at a deeper buyers list. So it took several years for us to get to the point where we were sort of totally self sufficient. Um, And I don't, to me, that's kind of the only real way to. Do it right. I don't know that there's a shortcut. I mean, there are like, there's other, like I said, there's pieces of software, ways that you can advertise your community, advertise on Facebook and stuff like that, find buyers here and there. But to develop like a really deep buyers list that will sort of always deliver about properties, I think that's, that takes time.
0: Right. And would you, would you rather have a hundred percent of zero, you know, if you can't, if you can't move yeah, something yeah. Right? better to leverage somebody <laughs> who can move a property and you yeah. take a piece of it, at least you're getting something versus nothing. So
1: exactly. Absolutely. It's like, uh, I think I, I think I may have, uh, said that same phrase out loud, like 15 times to my partner, like, Cause he was, he was more frustrated than mm-hmm. I was that we were doing this like pairing out. It's like, I know a way that we can get none of the revenue. <laughs> so yeah, that's absolutely true. And I would I encourage people like, who are getting started to, because there's a lot of stubbornness, I think, in real estate. So a lot of investors that I meet are like just hell bent on selling their own deals at whatever cost, like even if it's at a worse price or whatever, or even not selling it, having to let the deal go. They just are so driven to do it 100% themselves for whatever reason. And I think that is sort of, you know, cutting your nose off to your face to some degree. Um, And also, there's a trust thing. I mean, there's a lot of bizarre people in real estate, as I'm sure you know. (laughs) know? So you got to be comfortable with who you get in bed with. But um, uh, yeah, I I think it's good advice for people who have limited number of buyers to really find somebody in their market that that they truly trust. I think they would find themselves better off working with them until they've built up a better mortgage list.
0: Now, in terms of finding properties, certain neighborhoods, maybe certain types of properties, uh, what was kind of your sweet spot or what were the things that you looked for in identifying the properties that you wanted to flip?
1: I always tell my sales staff, I mean, we are looking for properties that uh, where the person wants to sell the house and that it might work for cash. And whenever I say that, people in my team just roll, roll their eyes at me at this point. But and they're like, I'm not sure that's going to pass for insight, Kevin. But uh, it is, uh, it is. you know, I would say like we we want somebody who's going to sell in the next like one to three or four months, like who's actually selling. Because we deal with tons of tire kickers in this industry, right? When you send out. Marketing, you get people who call and they're curious about an offer. I might sell next year. If you gave me a million dollars, I'll sell tomorrow, you know, whatever it is. So figuring out, okay, is this person actually selling their house, uh, number one? And number two, is that a house-slash situation, something that would be appropriate where they might want to take a cash offer? And I think a lot of people kind of get bogged down. Like, is the house a complete and total, like, dump? It doesn't have to be. There's tons of people that want to sell their house that is the houses that are perfectly livable, reasonable condition. They just don't want to deal with a real estate agent for whatever reason or, you know, they just don't want to deal. So what I say is it something that can work for cash. You know, there's a variety of factors that go into that One, be condition. That's often a good indicator uh, speed at which they want to have the house sold. Um, another thing is whether, you know, how sort of keen are they to spend the time and, fix anything up or deal with a real estate agent. Some people just don't want to work with an agent. So um, it is, you know, we try and suss that out over the phone before we go out and meet them to somebody that might be, is this person inclined to take an offer that would be less than they could get if they sold on the MLS, but they understand that and they appreciate that there's some conveniences and those conveniences are with whatever that Delta may be. We end up buying a lot of properties that are in like pretty reasonable condition. As a result of that.
0: Now, in terms of financing, I know a lot of times you know people say say cash offer, and the the people that are out there looking for the cash offers picture there's just this person out there with this never ending supply of cash that they can just drop down. How are you financing those properties? And then, kind of the follow up question is in terms of competition, how many other people have they talked to? Is it yeah, you're the first person that's given me a cash offer. I've already talked to five other people, and I'm just looking for the best offer.
1: Yeah, so um, in terms of, I guess the the cash piece. I mean, we have you know we have sort of gotten the company to a size where we could sort of buy most of the houses that we come across that we would want to buy, but that's hasn't always been the case. That's for sure, and so we, uh, you know, I think that sort of also goes to the to be able to provide. To do with these properties when you get them, I mean, you're not going to be able to lock all the in. So, um, I think as anybody who wants to get into flipping, investing, whatever you want to call it, has got to have some kind of like wholesale piece in place. Because otherwise, you just you can't take advantage of everything you come across. Uh, but the the second part of the question, I mean, is I mean, I've noticed it significantly in the years that I've been doing this. I mean, it's, it's super competitive. Especially, I mean, I only, I only operate it in D.C., Virginia, area, Maryland. But, uh, D.C. area up to Baltimore. But, you know, I, I don't do lots of different markets like a lot of people do. Uh, I'm not like subscribed to that idea. I feel like you need to know the market you're working in in order to not miss on the offers. But that said... It's Super competitive here, so almost anybody that I would or somebody at my company would meet with is meeting with or has met with other investors already. And in many cases, they're meeting with one or more real estate agents. The deals are always competitive. I mean, maybe once a year, somebody will just be like, We'll meet, just be like, Okay, I like you know, but it's almost always competitive. It's usually like three, four, five investors and. Obviously, the offer amount is a, a big consideration for them. So, yeah, you have to be able to win competitive business in order to make this business, make this business model work. And you know, that's a whole other ball. It's super competitive.
0: What do you feel like you're doing to help differentiate people to choose you versus choosing some of the other folks out there?
1: It's uh, my jokes primarily, Mike. You know that comes. Yeah, I have a lot of dad jokes that I tell them in, these, in these meetings. <laughs> go over very well. So I'm not really a salesperson by nature. So I mean I'm an attorney. I think once you go to law school, Mike, your personality gets like twenty percent worse as well. So um like I have but I've never been like I'm just not like a natural salesperson. I'm more kind of like I don't know structure attorney type personality. So I had to for me I had to kind of figure out how to do a presentation that worked for my personality took a long time and a lot of trial. And error. But um, I sort of have a process that I go through with every seller when I go into the down with them, walk them through and sort of a way present what it is that we could do. And uh, it has, has been sort of fine tuned and owned over the years. I teach it through one K flips, you know, for people who are trying to get better and close more business on appointments. Um, but it is uh you know, process is like credibility based reporter, and you get people to feel comfortable with you because, at the end of the day, sort of my view of it. Is, I mean, invest like sort of the investing world is like the wild west, right? Like you don't have a real estate agent who's representing you. It's just a seller who's out there fielding offers, kind of have to manage the terrain themselves. Um, there are a lot of like bizarre investors out there, right? So they may meet with five people and kind of be like. Ooh, like kind of a wild group of people, but um, so I think a lot of sellers more so than maybe like uh, if you're interviewing to be a real estate agent to a seller, sellers like really value. Okay, I feel like I can like trust this person, and he or she knows what we're talking about. They explained it, and I understood when they explained it. I trust that they're going to deliver. Blah, blah blah. I think that counts for a lot for a lot of for many sellers as much as price. Um, because I think a lot of sellers are already skeptical or kind of like, Ugh, like I'm sort of on my own, crazy decision with my house. And I feel like all these, you know, different people I don't know. So for me, that's been a big part of like uh, developing the presentation I like helping to get sellers feel comfortable just with me and the company. So that when it inevitably comes down to like all the prices are pretty close, that we win more of those. Kind of
0: deals. Mm-hmm. Now you talked about wanting to be able to to help other people, and um, you know you've got your kind of coaching and training that you're helping others with. So talk about that for a little bit. What you're focusing on and how you're helping people based on all the stuff that you learned, and they don't have to go through those same learning curves that you did.
1: Yeah, so um, I started a sort of like a coaching component. Uh, it's called a thousand flips. The website is 1kflips.com. And I teach, um, you know, it's designed for people who are, just like you said, want to get involved in investing and they're either new or maybe they still work and, you know, they're still operating as have a full-time job, but they're trying to get into it. Or if they have, um, for the very, you know, the huge segment of investors out there who are doing maybe one two, three deals a month that want to get to 10 or 15, they don't really want to expand on their business. Um, so I do training, um, that is, that sort of different levels of training, but I do like, um, something I call Deal Club, which is a, it's $97 a month and expensive. It's four calls every month, one a week. And I basically go through one or, or more components of, uh, sort of just running. This business each week. Sometimes I'll talk to people that different members of their businesses, what their challenges are. I'll talk about marketing, you know, sales, inside sales, different things like that. And uh, so that's that is uh, a good option for people who really anybody because it's you can get a lot of info out. Of. Um, and it's inexpensive. And then I do something called business in a box for people who really want to really ramp up their business and are kind of all in. They're like, I want, I want to learn how to flip Run wholesaling. How do I run this business? How do I start it? How do I find deals? How do I market sort of A to Z? And that's a more comprehensive, that's a 10-week course that I offer.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, there's there's so much to learn and you guys figured it out pretty quick compared to a lot of people, but there's the ability, and, and this is what I always encourage folks is instead of trying to figure it out on your own, partner up with somebody who knows what they're doing, partner up with somebody who's been there before, because you don't have to make the same mistakes. They can get you much further, much faster. And and I know there's a lot of people out there that say, well, the internet's got all the information I need, possibly. And yet at the same time, you you okay. kind of need to know for your situation, What's the most relevant piece of information for where you need to go next? Because you know there there might be the the next lesson is is a few degrees ahead of where you're at, and you're not ready to hear that yet. You need to hear the lesson that's your next step, not three or four steps ahead. And you need to be able to apply that next step. And so that's really where partnering with people who have done it before really makes a big difference.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it certainly does. I, mean, I think you know the history of that along, sort of along this path that I've been on too. Uh, you know, worked worked with and partnered with different people over the years. So, uh, it's made a difference. And I can say that for for sure. And it has sped up the process. I mean, there's just some things that it's a lot to figure out. You can't really go to school per se to learn how to be a wholesaler. So you've got to sort of there is just a lot of figuring it out sort of aspect of this business. And you know, you, uh,
0: if you can find somebody that you trust in your market, you can probably figure it out. Have you ever heard the phrase, you're the average of the top five people that you hang around? Well, real estate agents, I'm excited to increase your five with you. We're launching the Real Freedom Investor Agent Tribe to help you get educated and connect with others to build your real estate investing journey and also to help you along the way as you're working with real estate investors. So come check it out on our website, realfreedom.com. Go to the store we have a membership we have a mastermind group and private coaching to help you stay accountable to your real estate investing goals and to make sure that you connect with like-minded people to accelerate your progress and to cheer you on along the way check it out realfreedom.com click on the store awesome well i know uh, you mentioned you know 1kflips.com um, so, yeah, if, if people want to go there and check things out, uh, anything more that uh, that you want to close with here, Kevin?
1: You can go, uh, as, uh, as you said, to 1kflips.com and check everything out there. You can also uh, schedule yourself for like a free 15-minute Zoom meeting if you want to look like, more information
0: any of the coaching products, too. And- awesome. Well, thank you, Kevin, so much for coming on and sharing your story. and. Uh, it's so fun to see people kind of jump into the real estate industry, have success. And so you've built a a team of 25 people. So uh, amazing job with that and best of luck to you in the future. Thank you, Mike. And thanks for having me.